know safety is such a concern for the Jewish community. When I've pledged to hire 500 more police officers, that'll create a more visible police presence, including in the Jewish community. I know that the Jewish community... That's what it sounded like at the Walk for Israel parade in Toronto on Victoria Day weekend, as I interviewed some of the leading candidates who want to be Toronto's next mayor. The by-election is this coming Monday, triggered by the surprise resignation in February of longtime leader John Tory after news of his illicit affair with a staffer became public. Olivia Chow is considered to be the front-runner to replace him, and although she wasn't there on the day, her main challengers said all the right things on Jewish issues, such as boosting security and fighting anti-Semitism. I've been hearing concerns about affordability quite a bit. Affordable housing is still a major issue for everybody, and uh, and I think uh, all the communities across our city are talking about, about that. Um, obviously, uh, the rise in uh, anti-Semitism is always something that concerns the community. We always have to be vigilant, and the rise of anti-Semitism in the city is, of course, deeply concerning to me and the Jewish community. And as mayor, I will do everything I can to stop it. I think we all need to understand that anti-Jewish hate and anti-Jewish incidents um, are not only growing at an alarming rate, but the Jewish community is the the top target uh, of hate in our city. And... But whether it's Chow or her challengers, including the leading Jewish candidate, Councillor Josh Matlow, our insiders say it'll all come down to who can get their supporters to actually go out and vote. Because ever since Mayor Rob Ford died, voter turnout for the last few municipal elections has been plummeting. And it should be a high-stakes decision for Canada's biggest city. Whoever wins will have to tackle a pile of key issues, including the soaring cost of rent, skyrocketing housing prices forcing people to leave the city, the random crime on the transit system that's been scaring riders away since COVID, and the terrible traffic gridlock. The tenor and the, like, the tone of this of elections is getting a lot dumber. And people are not getting are not talking about the issues and not thinking about solving problems anywhere close to as much as they need to. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, June the 21st, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News sponsored by Metropia. If the polls are right, Toronto is poised to elect its first Asian-Canadian woman as mayor. Olivia Chow is a long-standing figure in Toronto and federal politics. She's an ex-city councillor, a former NDP MP, and she's also the widow of the late federal NDP leader Jack Layton. But it's an extremely crowded field. There are literally 102 candidates running. One is actually a pet dog, and I'm not making this up. There's a student from the large Jewish high school Tannenbaum chat running. We also have Gordon Cohen, a real estate professional with no experience in city politics. They're likely to get very few votes. And then there's Jewish counselor Josh Matlow. He's in the top five at the moment. There have been three Jewish mayors of Toronto in history, Nathan Phillips, Phil Givens, and Mel Lastman. Mostly, though, Toronto's 65 mayors have been white men and Protestants. Joining me now for their insider's look at the mayoralty race are Stephen Adler, a political strategist with National Public Relations, Sophia Hirschfield, a graduate student at York University and a CJN columnist, and Josh Lieblein, the CJN's doorstep postings columnist. Well, it's important election. It's the biggest city in Canada with the fourth largest city in North America. And 
Does anyone care? <laughs> that was the title of one of your uh, your columns, Stephen, uh, recently for uh, National Public Relations. Is Toronto is having an election, but does anybody care? So quickly, I'm going to give you each a, a minute or so. Stephen, you you coined the phrase, so I'll start with you. What are the numbers telling us? So only 29% turned out to vote in November, but we had the highest advanced poll turnout that we've had in a couple of elections that ended last week. I think people are starting to care. I think that this whole election will be based on identifying vote and getting voters out, period, full stop. And uh, hopefully more people will care. Now, you said November. We should just mention that that was the, the last round of municipal elections in the whole province. And that's when John Tory came in for a third term, soon to be out. Sophia, do you want to uh, sort of join in on, does anybody care in your circles from where you're seeing? What, what are people talking about? I think, unfortunately, not enough people care about municipal politics in general, which is heartbreaking to me because municipal politics is so important and we have so much power to shape the future of the cities where we live. But I have noticed that in this election in general, I've noticed more young people kind of maybe showing some interest, excitement than before. So I'm hoping that at the very least, the uh, young person voter turnout will be a little bit up from last time, hopefully overall voter turnout as well. And Josh, what are you seeing from uh, from the rural area of the province? Well, I mean, I'm all over, been all over the province and I hear and people in all over the province are talking about the Toronto mayor election. They're asking me about it and they're asking me the same question. Does anybody care? And if you're interested in politics, if you care what's going to be happening in elections going forward, I don't think you're going to see that big of a turnout, like Steve said. And I do think, agreeing, agreeing with Sophie, that not a lot of people are as interested, but more people are cluing in. And this is going to mean something for bigger, uh, higher stakes elections going forward, like the federal election or for provincial elections going forward. Like, is Brad Bradford going to be picked up as the leader of the opposition on council, for example? Uh, what does this mean for Anna Bailao and her um, campaign, which has been about talking about uh, labor and unions and putting them more on the conservative side of things. What does it mean for Josh Matlow and him galvanizing opposition to the Toronto Science Centre? So I don't think any election is a complete wash, no matter how many people are paying attention or not. I think that it, it uh, that you look at these as data points and you look at them as trends as what's going forward for our country. And People, for example, if you try this particular strategy in Toronto and people just tuned you out and Anthony Fury did better than some of the other people on the on the ballot, what does that mean? What does that say? And what do people at the federal level take away from that? OK, so on that point, you mentioned some of the names of the front runners. So let's jump right in. Uh Latest polling shows that none of the people you mentioned is supposed to win the election. So, Stephen, back to you. Who are the main top three uh, people that are, are supposed to win and, and what do we know about them? So, uh, Olivia Chow, longtime city councillor, then became a federal MP. She won the race for the support of Progress Toronto. Progress Toronto is the NDP's municipal arm, for lack of a better way of putting it. The biggest shock with Olivia getting the Progress Toronto support is that Josh Matlow did not get the support. Josh had been, for the last three terms, the anti-establishment councillor, and he did not get the support of Progress Toronto. Anna Balau is a former deputy mayor of the city, uh, three or four term councillor, 
She was chair of planning and housing committee. She is one of the centrist candidates who they people thought would get votes from the left, the center, and the right. Brad Bradford is in his second term at council. He is a planner by uh, by profession, and he is a good councillor. The thought with Brad is he was going to run in three years, not now. Of note, Brad's campaign is full of liberals and conservatives, and Brad's mother is a liberal MP in Ottawa, which I always find kind of interesting with regards to the funding coming uh, fights with Ottawa. Josh Matlow, former school trustee, current city councillor. I'm shocked that his numbers are not higher than they are. A lot of the issues he's been talking about are issues that he's been talking about for six, seven years. And then we have two more. Mark Saunders, well-known former police chief, but was defeated less than a year ago when he ran provincially for Doug Ford's Conservatives. And Anthony Fury, great columnist, great reporter from The Sun, has great ideas. But the real issue with the candidates is not just can they win the mayoral election. It's can they find the votes around the council table, 13 to get a motion passed, 9 to prevent the veto by the rest of council. Because remember, we all talk about these strong mayor powers. They're limited in scope and use and what they can be used for. And even with strong mayor powers, two-thirds of councillors can veto it. So when you look at Mark Saunders, Anthony Fury, Anna Balau, Brad Bradford, Josh Matlow, and Olivia Chow, who can get the 13 votes around the council table to get things done and the nine votes to prevent the veto being used? So who do you think? Let's go to Sophia. Um, I mean, I can say both who I'm hoping for and who I genuinely think it will be um, is Olivia Chow. I do think I've heard you know, just more young people being excited, um, you know, with this election. Whereas I remember last election, uh, a lot of people felt like it was just sort of same old, same old when it came to Toronto uh, politics. So I think because, you know, there's no incumbent this time around, people are really excited and voting for change. And I think that there's a good chance that that will reflect uh, in terms of the results of who was elected. Um, Yeah. So you think she's the one you want, plus you think she's the one that's going to win. I thought there was going to be a second name, but it's one and the same. Yes. I mean, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but yeah, both she, uh, yeah, both my own hopes, but also what I think the results will actually be. But Josh, we just heard about uh, Olivia Chow. She came in third behind John Tory, Doug Ford. I mean, she's you know, two, three strikes you're out already. Well, you would think so. But uh, when you look at some of the campaigns that some of the other candidates have won, have have waged, um, Brad Bradford has just been dunked on relentlessly all the way through this campaign. People have been making fun of his name since the jump. Um, A week or so ago, he had a a new baby and people started dunking on him for using the kid as a prop. It has been painful for someone to be outside these campaigns to watch some guy, a guy like Brad Bradford, who is a good guy, a nice guy who I like him, but whoever's running his campaign has just basically thought that by having him throw up in a bunch of parks, eat a bunch of Jamaican beef patties, and swig down a bunch of beers and talk about policy when he can, that this was going to get people to like him. And it didn't. And I've seen a lot of these cringy 
let's make the conservative more relatable type of campaigns. You might remember something like that when Herrera O'Toole was running as leader. Yeah, of the he federal rolled up his sleeves and was in a lumberjack shirt. And yeah, we're like, same, very, very, very similar. And my, my, I can tell you that uh, Ina Bailao is the uh, main candidate, is the, is, a, is the choice of my mom because she likes her. But by, but by herself, like the fact that she was looked at as one of John Tory's allies before she stepped off of council, that really hurt her and she wasn't able to get around that. Mark Saunders wasn't able to get over the idea that maybe he didn't do as much for the serial kill uh, to fight the serial killer in the Church and Wellesley area. And there's a whole issue with him and the Shermans that never really got uh, brought up on this campaign. <clears throat> uh, Josh Matlow. Really good point. Two up, major failures in policing, one with the gay yeah. community, one with the Jewish community and philanthropy community. There's that whole George Floyd thing that's still hanging yep. over. So in the young progressive uh, world, I don't know how well that plays. And just before we go back to Sophie on that, to bring it back to Olivia Chow, she's been off of council for all of that. She's not attached to John Tory in any way. She ran against John Tory. She has a name recognition going forward. And she certainly has more recognition and a better, um, a better outlook or a better... She's more respected and known than any of the people who were running. Like, and she has the most name recognition. That's a big, uh, that's a big help. She's and the Layton uh, name, nobody's mentioned the late John Layton name, but that is a big deal. I was getting to that. I was getting to that. And also the fact that she's respected enough by the left. She has the left lane pretty much to herself, except for Josh Matlow, who's had, I mean, Josh, is, I, he's always willing to talk to us, but Josh has made a lot of, uh, you know, enemies and he wasn't, he's not as well liked on council. And even he would admit that. Um, there was a vote to sort of censure him before uh, back around when Pesach was happening. Right, because of that. Uh, an ethics uh, violation, which he, he sure. beat. He did beat that. But her, his hands are not exactly clean and Olivia's are. So that's really played to her strengths this time around. OK, so let's go back to. So those are the main candidates. But you mentioned some of the issues that are super important. I mean, we are the Canadian Jewish News, and so I always look at things, is this good for the Jews? What are the Jewish issues? But I don't know if this particular election has very many. In fact, I think um, the issues are what, Stephen? Affordability, housing, poverty, transit, traffic, chaos, safety. Those are just things that everybody cares about. I actually think the biggest issue Toronto has is how are they going to pay for things moving into the future? And... We can talk about property taxes need to be raised, but Toronto is the only major jurisdiction that the majority of the funding of the transit system comes from the fare box. We get no federal money and no provincial money. When ridership is down 30% of what it used to be pre-COVID, the subway cars still run. And so that's where a big deficit has come from. When it comes to affordable housing, it's not just a City of Toronto issue. It is a national issue. Toronto does have the municipal land transfer tax that other jurisdictions don't have. But the, one of the biggest issues we're having on affordability is people aren't qualifying for mortgages. The stress test is such that those who can afford to buy the home don't qualify for the mortgage to close the transaction. Affordable housing is something different. Affordable housing is not a 5,000 per square foot uh, unit being reduced to 4,000, calling it affordable. Affordable housing could be a 1,000 square foot uh, dollar square foot unit based on rent geared to income. 
if all of the affordable housing money that the federal and the provincial governments allocate was given just to Toronto, we would not solve the problem. So those are the really big issues. Whoever the next mayor is needs to find a way to increase services, keep the trains running, make the city safer, and at the same time, not bankrupt the people living in it because there is not an endless supply of money. Go back to that question of rent and uh, place to live, Sophia. I'm, my son, I'm just going to say, he is renting downtown Toronto. It's over $2,000 a month for a basement apartment with no air conditioning. There's no laundry facilities. Okay, he has bees that are buzzing into the house. That's a whole other issue. How can, and he can barely afford it. And we're helping him. There's, my kids cannot going to be able to afford an actual house. For, for Jewish families, their kids are moving out. They're moving to Innisfil. They're moving to Barrie. They're moving uh, all the way to smaller towns because they can't be in the city. And therefore, there's that whole issue of where do you go for Friday night dinner? Where do you go to synagogue? All the services that are already there, they're not going to be sustained because the younger people are not there. This is an issue I've heard that is affecting families in the Jewish community as well as other. But maybe, I don't know if you want to talk about that, Sophia, or... Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, definitely as as someone who is also renting in Toronto at this moment and uh, has so little hope about the possibility of actually ever owning property in the city, um, I absolutely believe that both affordable housing and housing affordabilities are two of the key issues in this election. I have a lot of friends who are in very similar positions who are, you know, paying probably 75% of their monthly income is going straight to rent and that's it. And they're mostly living in, you know, not the most squalor conditions. There are worse, but, you know, definitely not worth $2,000. And it's it's definitely a huge issue. You know, I just walking and biking around the city, whenever I see for sale signs on houses, they all say, you know, perfect, you know, investment opportunity. They're not even bothering to try and market houses to anyone who isn't already, you know, a homeowner and someone who has real estate. And I think that's very indicative of just how bad it is for renters these days. And I do think it is causing a lot of, you know, sprawl, specifically with the Jewish community and not being able to have those same kinds of community hubs as we used to be able to have, but just with our city in general. And I do think that's really bad for some of the other issues that we've brought up, like, Issues of, you mentioned crazy traffic, transit issues, all of that stuff. The sprawl and the spread and the way that people are basically, you know, fleeing further and further to edges of the GTA just to be able to afford to live is definitely causing huge problems for the city. And I think, I mean, looking just at John Tory's last property tax hike, it was still less than inflation. You know, like I do think there is still a decent amount of wiggle room within the uh, property taxes that hopefully will not bankrupt those homeowners that we have here in Toronto, but will make things a bit easier uh, to provide services for the cities. Um, but I do really think that, you know, affordability and housing is kind of one of the, the central issues because that also goes into crime, that also goes into issues of safety, and that's kind of the, uh, the key that spills over into everything else that's coming up in this election. Public transit, of course. People were getting stabbed and killed, 16-year-old kids on this TTC, on the subway. So, Josh, what about your views? What What are the key things that you're hearing? I mean, you're talking to a guy who has basically uh, 
fled Toronto, got married and live and moved out of the city. And you see, that's why you have me coming from a different place every time you talk to me. So I'm seeing that I'm already someone who's made, who has to commute in. And when I come in, all I hear about are, well, you know, uh, Bradford's trying to make um, transit and, 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 and uh, housing and rent an issue. And for that, he gets uh, mocked for, for, you know, being more for, he said he wanted to, he didn't want people to go to Ham, to be to Hamilton or Newmarket. And he got uh, dragged for that. And then you have Mark Saunders trying to make crime an issue and getting nailed for that. So every time one of these people try to talk about one of the issues, every time we try to, we know there are problems in the city of Toronto, but every time one of the candidates tries to score a point on Olivia and try to get her to, to, to make, to wear it, it's not working. So everyone knows that there are problems with this election. For a while, it was about what, we're, what are we going to do about the science center? And that's what everyone was caring about. So once again, we have an election. Instead of talking about solutions to problems, we are getting upset about things that are sort of beside the point. None of these discussions are going, are going to make things better for younger people like myself. It's not going to entice myself, my wife, to come back to Toronto. Because... What, about, what about the Science Centre? Let's talk about that. People who are not in Toronto or, or in even southern Ontario might not know. Stephen, can you quickly do the elevator 30 second to explain to our listeners outside of Toronto why that is an issue now? The issue is that one of the higher order transit lines called the Ontario line will go through what is now the Ontario Science Centre lands and through to Ontario Place. There has been talk for a long time. It is not a new discussion based on this election whether to renovate the Science Centre property, move the museum, Science Centre elsewhere, what to do. What we've seen in the last couple of months is a discussion turning around. If you take the facility out of its current location, it will negatively impact the community around it. I don't know if it will or won't. I know with regards to Ontario Place, another hot button issue, the Ontario Place has been empty for 10 years. I'm loving the fact that everybody cares about what to do with Ontario Place in 2023. We actually had a walk with Israel and one or two walks with Israel ended at Ontario Place because it was empty. So to put in perspective, the May long weekend, it's warm. It is perfect time for people of Ontario to use an outdoor family venue. So those are the issues that are very important to the future of the city. But as Josh said, people are... are rallying around them rather than maybe talking about who and I keep coming back to this who can get the votes on council who can get things done and how does Sophia buy a house in Toronto and how does Josh and his wife get back well the one thing the city of Toronto could do for homeowners is get rid of the municipal land transfer tax but then they have to come up with a billion dollars because in Toronto you pay a provincial land transfer tax and a municipal one most people aren't aware of the close to billion dollars that comes in for that. You know, we got to talk about this ballot because I don't know any other city's council's ballots, what they look like, but it's insane that you have 102 candidates for mayor. The ballot is like the size of the side of someone's, I don't know, fridge. Can you discuss what this shows you? Is this a bad thing? Is this good for democracy? Is this that nobody really is going to have enough votes? Like, I don't know. Pick number 44. He has the coolest signs or whatever, you know? <laughs> All about Mr. Gong. I mean, I've interviewed a few of these candidates who are uh, what you would call, quote unquote, fringe candidates. 
Um, and they're all well-meaning people. They're all, uh, they are all, their ideas are, their hearts are in the right place. If you ask them what they plan to do, things go off the rails fairly quickly because we have lots of people who don't really know what being a mayor of Toronto is all about, but think because John Tory is not mayor anymore and because Olivia Chow, well, she didn't do very well last time that I have just as much as chance of any, as anybody else. And they are sometimes there to put forward some pet issues or just get noticed. And others like Mr. Gong or number 44, you can dig into him, his background and see what sort of seems he's been up to. And uh, you can ask where a lot of his money is coming from. So you have people who are in this election who are funded by places, uh, in, by places that you don't even know where they, you would ask, uh, you, you don't even know exactly where all the money is coming from. Are you, are you referring to the current inquiry that is into Chinese offshore money or that that's not? Well, him? I'm trying oh. to choose my words very, very carefully because um, not many people really know a lot of where Mr. Gong's money is coming in. And the, he's not going to get a lot of votes in the Jewish community or any votes um, regardless. I bring him up as an example of a person who's running who might have to be spending a lot of money on his signs and his uh, and on his uh, and his billboards, and there might have to be a pretty bit of audit after that. But for a lot of people, it's just you know a free for all. But is that going to split the votes? Like, well, not split, no. but take away votes from the main candidates that you mentioned, like Olivia. Is- I like you have to actually have a sophisticated. Steve talked about getting out the vote. Getting out the vote is a sophisticated operation. You have people across the city who are going to find your votes. You have to get your people who are voting for you to the ballot to the ballot box and vote for you. That requires an army of people, and I don't know how much more money these people have left to spend on something like this. But Olivia Chow and all the main candidates are going to have people walking all around, getting the, getting this done and calling people, making sure that they that the people who said they were going to vote are actually getting to the ballot box. If you don't have a proper GOTV operation. What are you even doing? GOTV, think- get out the vote. That's a very important thing. Yeah. But in terms of, Josh, the the fringe candidates, um, yeah. you also interviewed one more before I let the other folks uh, jump in. I of love course. he's a Jewish kid from uh, high school and a mayor from oh, mayor. Yeah, mayor, mayor. You got to talk to us about him for about 30 seconds for our listeners who haven't read your amazing interview with him. OK, well, I'm going to indulge myself. I liked interviewing mayor because it was like going back two decades and because I was a chat kid like mayor and I had the same sense of humor as mayor. So, you know, it's kind of like asking him what he would do with like all the teams across uh, Canada and amalgamating them into one. If he's going to amalgamate the entire province of Ontario, this kid is just having a good time. And he's probably not gonna he's probably not gonna get more than a handful of votes. I don't even know if his own family's gonna vote for him. But that's not the point. He's having out there, he's having a good time. And like I said, a lot of these people are just doing something to get their names out there. They may go on to something more, or you know, mayor might this might be a launching point for him as like the next uh, I don't know, Jesse Brown or so or the next uh he might get himself a show on CBC or something. We don't really know what's gonna happen. That like you're the the clout that you get. And the Instagram likes and all the social media buzz that you generate running for this thing, it's yours to do whatever you want with it. That's really up to you. Okay, fair enough. Uh, one of the things we, we've not talked about is security in the Jewish community and the Al-Quds Day Parade, which we've asked a lot of the candidates what they would do about this parade, which happens every April 25th or something usually. I just want to bring that up. Let's ask Sophie about this, if you have anything that you want to weigh in on this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I uh, the, the thought of any kind of outlying of, you know, protest and speech um, is very scary to me. 
And I know that a lot of Jewish folks have raised concern about this event, but I really am afraid of what happens when we kind of dive into the territory of, of you know, preventing an event like this from happening in the first place. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of very dangerous, dangerous roads that we can go down um, where things are dangerous, just as dangerous for us in the Jewish community as they are for others. When we try and kind of put municipal control on who can have what protests and marches they want to have. Um, so that's kind of my, that's a bit of my concern on the Al-Quds Day is just, I, yeah, I would be very hesitant to say that this is something that should be banned, that this is something that should be outright altogether completely taken off. Uh, and I honestly think that would probably make the problem a lot worse in the long run uh, in terms of Jewish safety, in terms of community relations. And so, you know, I think there are a lot of things that we can do to make this problem better, but definitely the question of outlying is is a non-starter for me personally. All right. I'd like to see the current rules enforced. And so before we get into what more could should be done, if you're having a rally or a protest on streets, there are permits required to do it. If there aren't permits available, the police should be stopping it. I have never seen, mainly liberals and conservatives, but yes, the NDP as well, unanimously condemn something around City Hall or at Queen's Park after the fact, not during or before. So I, I would just love to see, are the current rules being enforced? Yes or no? And if the answer to that is the current rules are not being enforced, why aren't they? And then we can get into the discussion of what's next. I remember the past the hot potato discussion of, well, it's not really Queen's Park. You see, this area of the grounds that we call the Ontario legislature is a long-term lease from U of T. And this North Park is actually the city of Toronto. The legislature is actually just the ring of the parking lot and the main legislative building. So don't speak to us, speak to someone else. The other thing you raised, Ellen, was about security of our synagogues. Right, because the, the Jewish community just got targeted. Uh, right, again, right. this police statistics came out, Josh, I'm sure you saw it, that the Jewish community oh, yeah. is the number one target for hate crimes in the city, more than the black community, more than LGBTQ, again, for the second or third or fifth year in a row. Tenth. With respect to Al-Quds, uh, a couple questions I have are, uh, like, I have spoken to every major mayoral candidate, except for Olivia Chow. And I've tried to talk to her about Al-Quds and everything else. So I don't really know where she stands with it. So that's something I would really like to know. Second of all, with respect to the parade itself, it's really gone down in terms of number of people coming out. And this time, CJ, I don't think CJ, CJ, the Council for the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, even really put out a, a, a statement about it this year. I missed it, I think. And as far as the number where it is, it's not even on the Queens Park lawn anymore. It's been moved out to one of the consulates, I think the U.S. consulate already. Right, that's on so, University Avenue. But I will say that on the issue of Jewish security, you have count you have candidates like Anthony Fury, who I started off talking about. And Anthony Fury has put forward that very aggressive conservative um unapologetic talking about how people who, if you throw a brick through a synagogue window, you will go to jail. And that has been moving the needle for him. And what uh, and to bring it back to where I started to talk about what is the trend going forward? 
if Anthony Fury does better than a lot of the, you know, acceptable conservative candidates with his crazy campaign that's uh, backed by Jordan Peterson and a bunch of other controversial online folks, then obviously the conservatives in this country are going to go more towards candidates like that who are going to talk tough and say to Olivia Chow, you're too soft on crime, you're too soft on jurisdiction security, and they're going to call him out as much as you can in the Toronto mayoral election and be more aggressive there. So those types of questions for Olivia Chow are not going to go away just because she's mayor, which I do think she will be. But uh, you can you can expect to see those more aggressive online attacks. They'll see more back and forth and more culture war stuff. And that's where I think we're going to go after this election is over. So I loved Anthony Fury's uh, uh, comments about if you throw a, a, a stone through a synagogue window, what the charges should be. That's provincial or federal jurisdiction, not municipal jurisdiction. And so that's part of the problem right there. You're not arrested under the City of Toronto Act. You're arrested either under the Criminal Code of Canada and at times provincial legislation. With regards to keeping our institutions safer, the original security infrastructure pilot project brought in by, I want to say, Prime Minister Martin, continued by Prime Minister Harper in after, was... I think there was an error made in the pilot project. It was for hard costs, doors, alarms, cameras. It was not for soft costs, security guards, things like that. I think that has come back to be a bit of an issue. I though we it is now though, and Ontario is now this year jumped in with money for security training, security guards, and the SIP program you just mentioned under Marco Mendocino who we may or may not be in office by the time this runs. Um, he also changed it for soft costs. Correct. But we also have to remember it is funding for vulnerable communities, not just for the Jewish community. And so I would like to see every synagogue, every place of worship, every community center, every school have paid by other levels of government security to keep people safe and i hope whoever the next mayor of toronto is will debate that with the premier and the prime minister to get more funding we're going to wrap it up it's been really fascinating but is there anything i'm going to let you go around one more time that uh, our listeners and voters in toronto should know i guess the one thing that i would say is my kind of final thought in this uh you know a lot of questions of safety especially for the jewish community and just thinking about, you know, crime stats in Toronto, in 2022, crime was up 18.9%, even though, you know, year after year, the city council has, in you know, had huge, huge, huge budget increases uh, for the police in Toronto. Right now, their budget is $1.16 billion, and yet, you know, crime is still going up and up and up. So I guess my kind of, my final tip going into the ballot box might just be, thinking critically about what role police play in actually keeping our communities safe, especially our Jewish communities, uh, and thinking about our city as a whole and how we can make it a better, uh, happier place for everybody involved. <laughs> I'll jump in. I, I think I... So two thoughts. One, please vote. There's no old line. If you don't vote, you can't complain. And uh, so I hope everybody votes. But also... Those who care about the election and, and the issues, I hope you don't stop care, caring at 12.01 in the morning on June 27th. 
we have whoever's elected mayor will be working with this council for the next three years. Three years is a long time to try to get things done. Our city has our province and our country. We have major issues we need to work on and we need to find a way to work together. And I hope that the 101 candidates, including Molly the dog, who may not be elected mayor the night of the 26th, continue play, to play a role in our city because some of the ideas might be just soapboxing to get my name out there. A lot of them are really good ideas that council should look at and see what can be implemented so that in 10 years from now, uh, we're not talking about Ellen, your son living in the basement apartment, Sophia, where you're living, Josh, the fact that you've moved from from west of uh, Toronto to now maybe west of Manitoba, etc. We can talk about the city working. Josh, you can well, live in Sophia's bring- family's house in Winnipeg. There you go. Go ahead. I wish. I, I bet. I bet. The, I bet the Hirschfeld house is lovely, but I'm not. I'm only licensed to practice in the province of Ontario, so I couldn't make much money out in Winnipeg as much as I'd like to. This election is becoming another um, uh, one of the things that have real is really upset me about this election is that it's just become another exercise in partisanship. I mean, a lot of people. This is go- this the next mayor is going to be elected by a tiny minority of people who believe we've got to get Olivia Chow elected because she's a progressive mayor, and we have a chance to finally get a progressive mayor, and nothing else matters. Whether she's actually going to use a strong mayor powers or not, or any of the great issues that Steve raised, is not really an issue. It's not really occurring to a lot of the people who are voting for it because they just want a progressive mayor. And a lot of people on my side of the aisle, they just like, well, we got to stop Olivia Chow because she's going to raise taxes. That's been the tenor of it. So I hope, I hope I don't have a lot, I don't have a lot of realistic hope, but I hope that after this election, we are finally going to be thinking about ways to solve the problems that have been plaguing Toronto for decades now, because unless we do, we're just going to be back here talking about another election where whatever sort of thing will will capture people's imaginations for a couple of days. And we're going to be going back to talking about taxes going up, taxes going down, more police officers, less police officers. We got to get more substantial. It's very important what you said. You know, two last things to end. I'm just going to pull rank. Doug Ford said if they elect a lefty, it'll be a disaster. And that was recently, even though he was, said he wasn't going to get into part, you know, but delve into giving his opinion. So it'll be interesting to see if Olivia Chow does win, how she works with, with him, who is anathema to everything she stands for. And then the other thing is that... Um, you know, I love that idea, Steve, and that you mentioned that those 102, even the dog candidates, wouldn't that be an amazing thing if they all got appointed to a special nonpartisan committee and try to do what's right for Toronto and point them to boards and ABCs and things like that? I don't know. I think you should coin it. It's a great idea. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think that the the task is large. I think we will see whoever the mayor is able to work with the premier and the prime minister. Remember that during COVID, Premier Ford and Minister Freeland spoke almost every night. Those who do not follow politics very closely would have been shocked that Christia Freeland and Doug Ford could find common ground. For Toronto to move forward, for Ontario to move forward, the big city mayors of Ontario need to work together with the premier and the prime minister. Um, but I'm looking forward to going on voting day and looking at the Megillah Esther in front of me 
and trying to figure out which one to vote for. And uh, it's going to be a fun night. All right, we got our Canadian Jewish angles in there. Listen, it was great to have you all. And we'll be uh, in touch. Stephen Adler, Sophia uh, Hirschfield, and Josh Lee Blind. thanks a lot for your comments and being on the CJN Daily. It's been great to have you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks, guys. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. You can find links in our show notes to Josh and Sophia's columns to help you decide who to vote for. Today's listener shout-out goes to Adele Weinstein in Toronto. And speaking of by-elections, we'll end with a bit of what it sounded like in Winnipeg Monday night after Ben Carr won a seat for the Liberals in the House of Commons. It was his late father's old writing. Jim Carr was a federal Liberal cabinet minister who represented Winnipeg South Centre for nearly eight years until he died of cancer in December. Thanks for listening to the CJN Day. I've learned so much from the people of this riding since this journey began. To the people of Winnipeg South Centre, thank you for putting your faith in me to represent you in Ottawa. Lastly, to my dad. I miss him every day. His smile, his voice, his energy, and his optimism. I feel the void of his loss profoundly. 